Welcome to Small Bites, the weekly equity podcast for busy people, where you'll get strategies in five minutes at 5 a.m. to help you become a more culturally literate, responsive, and culturally responsible educator. Join me throughout the week at Hedrick or at Hedrick Nichols on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. See you Mondays at 5 a.m. Hello and happy summer. As you know, Small Bites is actually on hiatus until fall. However, I ran into an amazing award-winning author, Sarah Fetterman, and her article in Market Watch in which she talks about corporations and how they can atone for um, past connections to enslavement just enthralled me. So that I thought it would be great to have a conversation with her and to put it out for Juneteenth. This is the final conversation with Sarah Fetterman, and you can get her book out now, Last Train to Auschwitz, about the French National Railroad's complicity in the Holocaust. Here's more from Sarah and I now. How, how do you make that palatable for someone who is also poor to yeah. say, yeah, but they're poor because? How do you? Them. Yeah, you help them with where they are. And I think, you know, take their problems seriously and they need help too. So like, all right, we're going to be doing this because it's a whole other thing. And if you want us to explain it, we will, you know, and here's the reason why and what's going on with you and how can we help you? Um, I, I do think that that has to happen. It's not like instead of you, it's you too, but they, the problems show up slightly differently, you know, and um, there's this, you know, there is an element of racism. <laughs> Let's not deny that. I mean, there's a book called Dying of, of Whiteness, Dying for Whiteness, where um, journalists interviewed some individuals who were fusing voting against universal health care even though they were poor because they didn't want a black person to get health care so they would rather not have access to health care if it meant that black people would have it too right so there's a kind of a like wait you're like gnawing off your own foot here so like let's focus on how to um so there is that element of racism i do think if we focus on focus on where people to your point about where people don't feel like they belong, where people are feeling alienated. Um, there's an idea by Timothy Schneider of taking a tiny, tiny tax from social media giants and using that to fund no local newspapers so communities can know themselves again. Mm. They can have the funny guy who writes the cranky editorial about the dog poop, right? They can have the, <laughs> you know, they can complain about the garbage trucks or whatever they want to complain about, right? Like they and to celebrate the fourth grader who fed the birds and whatever it is, um, those papers have disappeared. Yeah. And as a result, Schneider says, it's really left a vacuum. And I think so we need to respond to that when people are saying, what about me? There's like, so there isn't there are needs there. Mm -hmm. I just think we don't doesn't have to be one thing, right? We're a government that has those doing lots of things at the same time. Right. Um, and I do think that some education helps. It is, it's very difficult, I think, to um, understand the differences and how these problems came about. And, and the, the um, Black Americans, there is a difference when every time you see a police officer or you like you're afraid driving that you're going to get shot when you're pulled over is a very different experience. Like I, can't relate to that. All my students can relate to that, right? They all have, so many have black sons and they are terrified every time they leave the house, right? And that's different. Like white families don't, I would say for the most part, and maybe I'm wrong and maybe there's places they are, they don't live with that fear. That's just quite different. Yeah, so. that's, that's, that's true. I mean, my son had his driver's license less than three months before he got pulled over and okay. car searched and he was on his way from, he placed- car searched. He plays for church. <laughs> he was on his way from Wednesday night church service. And yeah, they took everything out. 
why yes. I searched? I mean, that, that experience of that, like feeling that you are being seen as a risk, my car's never been searched, right? Like, I, you know, and, and it's because he's, I presume, like, why are they searching his car? And how that makes him feel, how that makes him feel positioned to the society, right? That has an effect on, on how people relate to others. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So how do we, how do we go about healing those things? You know, when we talk about DEIB work, it's such uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, We talk about these big concepts and these Mm -hmm. big governments and big corporations. Mm -hmm. How do we bring that down to, I mean, what can I do? How can we bring Mm -hmm. that down to that level as a, as a conflict resolution? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great, it's such an, it's important question. I actually, in a way, I thought you kind of hit on it in the like, like, how do you other your brother? How do you other your neighbor? How do you other, you know, different sports fans? And like, that's actually where it's happening in those little places. Um, notice in ourselves, like there is a sense of like, we want to make that terrible person a monster so it doesn't happen to us. There's like this fear of contagion, like, okay, like we don't want to live in a ghetto and people are shooting each other and like all on drugs. And so like, that's not me. Right. But then of course you're missing that you've got someone in your family addicted to opioids. Right. And you got someone who's got like pretty big gun in their house. And like, you got, you know, you have those problems too in your family. Um, but it's easier to, we other them. Um, so I think on like a really, really micro level, it's how we're treating the people in our daily lives, um, it, that um, in our own circles, then this is like a tiny thing. And, and I know it's so micro, but um, there's studies show that for, for white people, and I'm going to give, I'm, as, as a white person, I'm going to talk about like from that, from that vantage point, um, studies are showing that white people very often misinterpret back, black faces as angry. Mm-hmm. in part because they don't look black people in the eye. And that actually has um, having to do with status in the past. You know, it could be a legacy. It could be fear, right, from the media because media helps us become fearful of one another, right? Um, but it also has some, like, status legacies, like in the past, right? Slaves were not allowed to look at masters. So I say it's really micro, but, like, look black people in the eye. Look minorities in the eye. Open the door. Let them, you know, like if they have one item behind you at the grocery store and you got like a whole cart, like let them go. Like just like do these little things to show dignity. And I love Donna Hicks has a book on dignity, but I think these little dignity, you know, what looking a homeless person in the eye or looking a, but I think especially it's a really micro moment, but it can shift a dynamic that none of us are like consciously aware of. Um, I think that's super important. I remember my great grandmother never looked. Um, she was a, a landowner, which was very rare for a black woman in the early 1900s. She inherited land from her father, but um, she, when she went to town, I remember my mother saying this: when she went to town to shop yeah. and to have suits made, she would also hold, always hold her head down, and the woman would call her by her first name, Octavia, and she would call them Miss So and So, you know, yeah, Miss Better. And, and she said, she, my mom was, you know, generation of coming of age of the black community, civil rights, yeah. you know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud that generation. So she never quite understood that, but she, she understood it historically, but yeah. of course it was at that part where that's something we have to, you know, it's time to stand up and not do that anymore. But you're so right. I mean, even when I am in a community where they're homeless, we tend to look away. And I yeah, have intentionally recently started to just say, hi, how are you? Yeah. You that know what I mean? thing. Like you exist. You exist, you matter. Um, in the workplace, 
So one of the things, one of the challenges now is that, you know, a lot of organizations want more, like more diverse workers, right? And especially like in the academy for academics, museums, those kinds of things, but they need to cultivate the talent because there's a lot of times it's very difficult for people to be able to do the unpaid internship they need to do for six months, right? And they can't get into these fields. So sometimes scholarships to help people expose people to these fields, more mentorship, I think is going to be really important um, to encourage people. We got to start you know, younger, um, if people are interested in these fields, to to encourage to encourage them. Um, one, and I did research for a book, a negotiation book that's coming out um, next year. But one of the interesting pieces I found for the workplace, just daily workplace, like when you have minority, when it's mostly white, and then you actually you you told me that you were you were like one of the few black students in your school and the only one in your class for years. So you can tell me if this is relatable or, or not, but this was more for the workplace. They found that when, when black um, employees went out for like, you know, happy hour with the other people, they didn't share as much personally because when they shared it, actually the distance grew between, it felt like the worlds actually felt more far apart than closer because it's like, wait, if I share this thing, are they going to think I'm ghetto? Because now it's like a, you know, that's like such a, such a, stereotype for black people or like I watch different shows or I don't know that thing and so the advice that was coming out of it was saying like you know let your black employees like you know be inclusive but understand and don't misinterpret silence as kind of snubbing or not wanting to participate but they actually might be gauging if I participate in this conversation I'm going to make it worse for myself so I'm, I'm, I'm not and so I think that there's been some dynamics that some researchers have noticed Sarah, yeah. Perfect example, point in case, there's friends. And oh my God, I just love friends and I got a friend's card. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, there are very few things that will trigger me because I'm in this work for the long haul. I live in Texas. Yeah. And the people who I want to talk about are the people are the people talk to about this work are the people who least understand or want to hear about it. Yeah. So I'm you know I'm 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 really in, in a good but state. you know even you have your limits. But friends, <laughs> friends triggers me. I do not want to talk to y'all about friends because you cannot tell me that in a coffee shop in the middle of New York City there was not one Asian, one Mexican, <laughs> one black person, nothing. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Anyone was anyone was over any woman was over 127 pounds. <laughs> it, right, yes, like, like 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 give me something. I did. Of course, you're right. There's this. It's a Manhattan cafe, and everybody is white. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. I just <laughs> see. And, and so when everybody's talking, and, and that, those, that would be an example of a kind of conversation that you would have at happy hour. Oh my yeah. god, they're doing the friends reunion. Yeah, and I'm like. Well, I saw the Jefferson's reunion. That was really good. And, and, and it's like, Jefferson's? It's like, just never good <laughs> You know, and then, yeah. so, so yes, that is so true. Yeah. Our experience, but, but, but if we could just get to a place where we, oh, wow, Jefferson's, tell me about that. Or, yeah. you know, right. Wow, yeah. I never thought about it. If friends in Manhattan had no Black people, that is kind of weird. Gosh, I guess we still got yeah. some work to do in Hollywood. Yeah. And yeah. then move on. But it's always this, it's this awkward kind of moment. Yeah. And if you're yeah. in a conservative space, it's not only awkward, it's, oh, here Haters. you come with this woke word stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 That's tricky. I mean, it's, it, it's a lot of work. I mean, I think also one of the, the biggest ahas for me is like sometimes we talk about privileges like, oh, people aren't privileged and we're going to help them be privileged. And I was like, no, no. See, the thing about that discourse that I think is weird is like, we're missing out on Black people. 
<laughs> like it's 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 always but there's something in the discourse that makes it like oh we have to let them in and like because they're not getting i'm like they've got a whole thing going on that's kind of awesome that like we don't have we're not a part of and like you're lucky if you get any access to that because there is a connection and family there's a culture that you can experience you don't have to go all the way to japan to experience a different culture and i i would like to just shift the discourse into a little bit like racism slavery segregation racism has kept us from each other and the richness of each other and and it's a shared loss rather than i'm up here i mean do you know what i mean I, not to say that there isn't privilege there is privilege i'm just saying that 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 it's about like that one nation um yeah and just enjoying the richness of the different cultures are here i mean i'm from new york so like i i think the more difference makes me more comfortable <laughs> right more, right more variety the better but um i do just want to say that that switch i think it's a subtle shift but i think it can bring us closer i think i like that, that that you said that you know that we think of and i think that's the other thing that people who are on the side of it ain't broke don't fix it let the past thing the yeah. say in the past there's some feeling that if I have to give up something, I'm going to lose something. Yeah. But it's kind of more of a, I'm not losing a daughter. I'm gaining a son. Yeah. It's and really like, bad. It is. And then like, there, there is going to be, there is a job that someone will not get now. Like there is such a push towards hiring BIPOC um, employees that there will be white people who were going to get those jobs who are now not going to get those jobs. And I just want to like say like, that's just what's so and then like how do we work with that too and because if we don't acknowledge it that festers because that's a pus wound and like it's gonna get infected and people are gonna feel pissed and like it does hurt right like you're like I did all the things I went to the right school I'm qualified and like shoot like yes okay so like how do we deal with it? so I don't I don't have all the answers but I just feel like it's okay to say that like you're gaining a son and you might not be invited to a party that you're gonna be invited to <laughs> But that's true. And, and that, that's something, yeah. like you said, if you are suddenly not getting something that you would have gotten, um, that's, that's hard. That, that is, is hard, that's definitely you, hard. You the only thing I can hard. see is, is telling people that, you know, yes, you're not getting this, but think of how many people helped you along the way you had your, you know, your dad knows so-and-so and so who was an alumni and he wrote a letter for you and you know, your so-and-so gay, your granddad, maybe put an endowment here or, and there's, there's situations that are not like that, but they're often white people who are much more connected. It, that's right. And you know, look, if how many black people were in that, 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 that scholarship scandal, none because oh. <laughs> they aren't well collected enough. It's not, you know, spared. Spared. <laughs> those kind of things. That's a good so, point. Yeah, that's and, good. And, and also saying, you know, use your resources to get the other opportunity. Don't be limited. Like, yes, it hurts mm -hmm. and keep going. Like there's mm -hmm. enough, especially. And I also like if your career is about solving a major problem of our times, there is plenty for you to do. Yeah. Like there is not one way if you want to like inspire the youth, if you want to help people heal, if you want to like advance healthcare. like, I'm sorry, like if you're taking care, you want to help with the environment there is so much opportunity because the need is enormous. So I just, I think like that, that fixed pie view is also probably um, sort of where we get stuck to. But I do think just to have a space to talk about what you say, and it is true, like the amount of help um, and connectedness. Also uh, offering that to, um, to historically marginalized people is also really nice. An immigrant gets to the country, they get, you know, they become an American citizen, they're trying to move up. Like, let them use your connection, you know, help them use that network. 
they they've done the work to get you know to get in and so i think th that's another way to help um and we all know somebody who could benefit from our network you know right 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 to having said that i mean i would say you know twitter and linkedin you know connect some people make sure that yeah. your people are connected or people that you know who need those connections are, are connected in your circle that's that's a little thing you can do from your the, your your home from your sofa on your computer yeah like I actually, so I'm, I'm selling my apartment in Baltimore. I love my apartment in Baltimore, but I have to sell it because I'm moving to San Diego and uh, Baltimore because of uh, redlining got kind of divided into what has become a white L and a black butterfly. Um, so they have kind of Hopkins goes to the Harbor and then it goes out to the side and then black people living. And that had to do with kind of how the mortgages were because the school is right there in the middle. I'm right at that intersection. Wow. And, um, I would really love to have a person of color move into my apartment to help kind of like, you know, work on that butterfly problem, um, at the intersection, but like, you know, just in that way, like reaching out to my network, not just my white friends who might want to get an apartment, but also, you know, my diverse, um, community as well so kind of those little ways do the opposite so there's tons of ways um and i and i don't mean to to not acknowledge the struggles that people are having and people a lot of people this past two years they have so much going on they've lost family members they're sick they're they, they are dealing with a lot and a lot of well-intentioned people are like oh my god i want to help as you said like before we got on you know but i want to help with the ukraine and i want to help with racial equity and i want to like <laughs> And this is the self-care maybe maybe this is a good kind of segue to the self-care mm -hmm. and i want to say that's that would that's really where i'd like to close i know yeah. I, I i loved your youtube um video about how to not get burned out yeah you know a lot of it's just weltschmerz and you get burned out because there's <laughs> so your swiss your swiss background <laughs> Well, there's not a good English word for it. Yeah. Um, pain, uh, pain about what's going on in the world yeah. is Weltschmerz. And, and, and there's, there's, um, there's so much of that, you know, it is such a difficult time. Things are shifting. Every, I keep hearing myself say, God, it's like COVID broke the world because I'll go into a store or I'll, or I'll go into a restaurant yeah. and, oh, we don't do that anymore. Oh no, we don't have that. Oh no, we don't carry, you know, the supply chain, you know, things that, yeah. that any of us who are privileged to live in, you know, a, a middle-class or society or above even those things touch touch all of us now you know it's not suddenly it's not you can't get toilet paper because it's a third world country it's like you can't get toilet paper because something happened in the supply chain and walmart yeah. and your local walmart and target don't have any so you yeah. know how do we get we yeah, still yeah. have to deal with all of those things and all the pain and loss of the last couple of years where yeah. we've lost family members and and um you know struggle so much just to stay healthy and to stay yeah. sane how do we keep from for those of us who are working on yeah. peace and negotiations and reparations yeah. and yeah. diversity equity inclusion and, and justice and belonging work how do we safeguard against burnout great so i mean i'll share some of the tips that i had in the uh um in the video which i made after studying the holocaust um, i interviewed 90 holocaust survivors and listened to their stories for this this book called last train auschwitz and i didn't know until my sister told me who works with death row, who worked with death row families that you can get ptsd just from listening and i didn't realize that because you you're listening and you're thinking i didn't go through it so like i should just keep going right like i gotta hear it and i gotta be available for it so you have to protect yourself and so um there are a few ways to, to do that. And, and um, I had some mentorship around this, but one was- Wait, before um, you go on, yeah. please say that one more time. Yeah. You can get PTSD secondhand, just from yeah, listening. Yeah, like just listening to the work. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, yeah, it's like, especially, I think we can be 
if we didn't go through the trauma and we're listening to someone who's gone through it, it's so easy to kind of, especially because if you're drawn to that work, you're probably an empath. You're like feeling it with them. You're like in there, like, oh, how could that have all happened? And right now I think about, you know, the families who lost their kids in the school shootings and like what it's like to be serving those families right now. I can't imagine being those families, even serving those families, like even talking about that loss just like brings tears. Um, so one thing I think, a number of things that I found helpful if you're doing this work, and you have a lot of educator listeners, is that right yes. as well? Okay. Yes. So one is I, I do I, I do stand by in my in our household we have a rule no genocide after eight, which means we <laughs> if it's eight p.m. You are not allowed to talk about genocide. There is no mass atrocity, no human rights violations, no destruction of the planet. Like we keep it like last night we watched canine intervention amazing show on netflix right and we like kept it was like positive it was like changing the world and like so we just keep it like watching that um when you're working on a particular um area and you're spending significant time in it give yourself permission to not dive into all the others that are happening in the world right now mm -hmm. while i was studying the holocaust syria was happening and there was the um this, the civil war there and 500,000 people dying. And I just couldn't focus on it. I was like, I'm doing the Holocaust this week. You know, I'm not president. I don't have to do all of them at once, right? I'm not, but some people do. So I'm going to just do this one. And through caring and loving and paying attention to these people, I'm going to try to serve all people, right? Like that, that's how I'm going to do it. So don't feel that if you're, you caring and if right now your care is your your son or your daughter and that's where the care is that's where the care is that's how you're bringing care into the world and maybe it's like just focusing on the care you're bringing into the world rather than who like it's your grandmother this week and 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 you know sending love if you can if you you know kind of have that view that like to those in need just send them that love and you know may, may they have people caring for them and care about your your circle and, and your community so that's one not getting into gratuitous violence i think it's really it's been helpful for me if you're working on these things long term, do have someone keep an eye on you. And when you start like not being funny anymore, <laughs> like wait, if you ever lost your sense of humor because you have amazing sense of humor, like that's when you got to stop, right? Like you're not funny, you're not good to be around. Like you got to go like care, take care. Yeah, of when all the jokes are caustic, like all, yeah, like all of them, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try to catch myself too in downward spirals. I was getting so mad at drivers this morning, and I was like, all right. I need to just like start counting all the things I'm grateful for right now because I'm about to be pissed. And if I go down this, I'm going to like piss off more drivers because I'm in such a negative space right now. And so I just have to turn myself around and take responsibility for that, you know, and you can go down the rabbit hole very easily of like the world is shit and humanity is terrible. And, you know, there, you can really go down it. So, in the, so let me give it just one for the classroom, which I did last the semester before last, which worked so well. Is each week we started out the class with one student presented a conflict reserver, resolver, or peace builder that that, they, that inspires them, and it was so amazing to start the week with their heroes. And I thought they were going to pick like, you know, I don't know, like Jane Goodall, or I don't know who I was pick. They were going to pick, you know, some Thich Nhat Hanh or some kind of peace builder like that, and. <laughs> <laughs> or Desmond Tutu or, you know, but they were like, my coworker, Cindy is amazing. And they like, they did people in their lives. And sometimes the people came to class and it was like, and then they got shined on the light of like, you inspire me because how you handle these calls. And like, I loved it. 
And I think maybe that there's a clue there to that success. Like, and then I get to meet these people. And then I interviewed one of them for my negotiation books. I was like, I love that person. Like, she is amazing. Her name is Joy Smith. She worked for Amtrak for dozens of years and she became, well, such a well-loved person. And so I think like, who's someone starting our classes for like, who's someone awesome? Who just like inspires you and lights you up? And like, let's start our classes there. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and fuel ourselves because there are so many great people. Like, I can't believe how many beautiful people there are in Baltimore doing great work. Because if you just saw the news, you wouldn't know about them. But I think that's part of it is like the humanity and like looking for it, shining a light on it, fueling those people is, is how we're going to keep going. And sometimes I just tell myself, I'm just here to provide an alternative. People want to keep shooting each other and hating each other. Like, they got that going on. I can't control them. But I'm over here. <laughs> If you'd like an alternative, <laughs> come see me. My door is open. Come see me. Come see me. Yeah. And you know, I love that. I gotta add one to the the whole start your class off yeah. with somebody who's inspiring or something who's inspiring. Yeah. Think think of social media in that way too. That's one of the yeah. things I really touch Thanks on all the time. If you are just like consuming, consuming, consuming all the awful things and then retweeting all the awful things, yeah. you, you can't do anything but finally just burn out. So look for the good stories. Look for the that's upworthy great. stories and the cute little ideas. And gosh, I live on puppy videos. I, I mean, oh that's my, my happy face. <laughs> oh, my God. Animal videos? Like, I yeah. can't. I, we, we could talk about that for hours. I got my favorites. But you know, I thank you for saying that. And this week, I'm going to actually think about, I think about that, too. Um but like, even that's also a way to advance other people. Like, I know this great person, they're doing this great work. Look at them, you know, and, and shine. Maybe we can, we can do it that way and keep ourselves going. Yeah. yeah. All right, Sarah. Well, thank you. The inspiration. Uh, definitely. I've learned for you. It's going to keep me going. Please go and uh, sarahfederman.com and you can pick up Last Train to Auschwitz. Thank you so much. I appreciate your flexibility and tell your kids, hey, we came up with a, a crazy idea and we made it happen. That's right. That's awesome. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you again. Like, subscribe, follow, leave a great review and check the show notes and hedrick.com for more resources. 